Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. So uh, I wanted to, we're we're coming into a brand new series today. Uh, Our series is called uh, Philippians. I was about to say Ephesians. It's not Ephesians, it's Philippians. Um, We're doing Philippians at the moment. Now, the reason we wanted to do something like this is because uh, for us as a church, we believe uh, that when our relationship with God increases, our effectiveness in our city increases, that the way God can work in and through your life increases. And um, for us, we we know that the book of Philippians has so much gold, we'd call them little gold nuggets, uh, sitting in Philippians. Uh, we thought this would be an incredible way to start, um, to start expanding that. And if, if anything comes from today, uh, we pray that it might encourage you to read and dive into the Word of God for yourself. Can I encourage you that that, for me, has been the biggest change in my life with my relationship with God and the way that I carry myself in my day-to-day life. Um, I'll give you a bit, of an, uh, a bit of an intro into Philippians before we get in. Um, so to give you an idea, so uh, Philippians was a letter written by a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, originally his OG name was Saul, um, but that was when he was not a very nice person and uh, he unalived a lot of Christians. Let's put it like that. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously that, that can't work, that doesn't work forever. So he uh, miraculously encountered uh, Jesus on uh, his trip to go and kill more Christians, or sorry, unalive more Christians, and um, was radically transformed. His life was flipped around. Like I can't think of a more crazy transformation. Like this is, uh, yeah, it's like no 21 day program will ever get you that transformed, you know? and so he then has his life transformed and decides he wants to go out. And a lot of his messages, a lot of his letters, a lot of what he did was to influence the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people of the time. So you had, you had Peter who, you know, uh, uh, that who was uh, a disciple of Jesus, went out and he talked to a lot of the Jews. Paul was the Gentile guy. He was the guy that went out and spoke to the non-Jewish people. Um, now he's written this. He's written this letter to the church of Philippi, or this is this is in a church uh, in a place called Philippi. Now Philippi was originally what would have been like ancient Macedonia, essentially. So it's uh, one of the first churches that Paul established. Actually, I think it's the first church that Paul established in Europe at the time. Um, and then we probably would know it uh, today as Greece. I think it's, it's, it's where Greece is at the moment, or what we would know it as Greece. Um, Paul's writing this letter from prison. And what's really exciting is you can actually read about the events that took him into prison in Acts in a couple of books before this. Um, so can I encourage you, like I said, if, if I can't encourage you to do anything else, um, But just one thing, I would encourage you, make sure you get into the Word. This story is incredible. He gets persecuted for sharing the gospel. 
Now, there's a lot of crazy things being persecuted at the moment, a lot of people being cut down, and who knows that uh, it ain't easy uh, loving Jesus at the moment. A lot of what we say and a lot of what we believe and a lot of what we want to share that we know have transformed our life quite often gets silenced and snuffed out. But I personally have never been thrown in jail for sharing Jesus. Um, And so for me, I think that's crazy. Um, And what is even more crazy is as we read Philippians, we see that Paul still has so much joy in his heart. Um, I've been stuck somewhere without uh, Wi-Fi or without a phone before. And that for me was torture, let alone being chained to a guard uh, day in and day out, uh, being persecuted for sharing uh, the good news. Um, that's a bit of a, an insight into what Philippians is all about. Um, I want to share with a little bit of a story just to kind of give you guys an idea of where we're heading today. So um, as some of you know, if you have children, you definitely know it's school holidays at the moment. Woo! All the kids are rejoicing. The parents are like, oh, no. Um, but for us, Jackie and I, we are, we are high school chaplains. For us, that means we also get a little bit of a break through the school holidays. Now, I, um, I love these holidays. Uh, I was always that person that was like, why do teachers get so many holidays? Like, their job is easy, bro. Like, they've got six weeks at the end of the year. They've got two weeks in between every 10-week period. Like, there's a cruisy job. Sign me up to be a teacher. Now I'm like, oh my goodness, this term is so long. Like, this cannot finish fast enough. But I think the important thing, and just like we have Marty and Rach doing right now, is it gives you the time to rest, to recalibrate, and to reconnect with the stuff that is important at home. Um, so one thing that uh, Jackie and I uh, did this holidays uh, this time around was we went away uh, camping. We went away with a really awesome family friend of ours. Um, uh, they have... Uh, I'm going to get this right, four, uh, four amazing children. Um, some of them come to our youth ministry here. Um, uh, yeah, we just we got to go away. So we went down to Marg's. Anyway, partway through, uh, partway through um, our camping trip, we come up to a time where the boys were like, hey, why don't we go get a coffee? We, Margaret River's 10 minutes down the road. We could probably just go get a quick coffee, enjoy the surf, come back, happy days. And we're like, yeah, sweet, not a problem, let's do that. So anyway, jump in the car, we take off. Sure enough, we come to the end of the uh, road where the campsite is, and there's a T intersection. Now, there's no signs that give us any direction or anything like that, uh, and uh, our good friend, Ro- his name is Rowan, our good friend Rowan, sure enough, true to his nature, just goes, eh, we'll just go right. We turn right, keep driving. Um, 10 minutes kind of passes and we go, hmm, we should be in town by now. Um, see a couple of signs that say Bustleton, 50Ks this way. Um, and we're like, hmm, I don't think we should turn down there. Why don't we just keep going? He goes, why don't you put it in the GPS? And then when we finally get some reception out here, um, we might be able to redirect if we're going the wrong way. So sure enough, chuck it in the GPS. Five minutes or so passes. I'm like, Eureka, we have some, we have some reception. I go, oh, we're going the wrong way. And we go, oh, okay, so 15, so we've been driving for about 15, 20 minutes. We finally do a UE, 
drive back up the road. Sure enough, we passed the intersection we had originally come out of. And I swear to you, no more than maybe two or three minutes past that intersection, we come up to a main road and it says Augusta this way, Margaret River this way. And we're like, oh, if only we had known we were so close. We just had to turn left. Um, didn't take us long. We we're finally in the, in the right spot. But one thing that Rowan said to me, he's like, you know what? He's like, honestly, I was just hoping we'd see a sign that kind of gave us an idea of where we were meant to be heading. And if, if that isn't more true about what Philippians is for the Church of Philippi, then I don't know what is. This is a letter from Paul to a church that is his, his baby. This is the first church he started in Europe saying, you know what, you're doing the right thing. You're going the right way. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. And if I've never seen more of a letter that just is there to encourage the church, this is it. Um, so I want to take some time. There's so much in this that we're not going to cover it all today. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But if I could bring just three points from this, uh, that would be amazing. So come with me. Um, my first point is this. Number one is God has an eternal plan for your life. God has an eternal plan for your life. Um, my points should come up on the screen uh, we're going to read some verses. They should also be on the screen. Uh, unless you have one of those old school paper Bibles, then yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to, be, you can read from that too. But I'm reading from the, uh, the ESV version. Uh, and we're going to start, we're actually going to start a little bit. Oh, no, no, I'll start in Philippians. We'll start in Philippians. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, everybody say good work, I love that. That's great. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, God has started something good in all of us. It might not feel like it sometimes. I know sometimes it feels like you're just kind of stuck in a rut and you're like, I don't feel, I'm, like, I'm confused. I don't even know where I am. But can I encourage you, if God started something, He's going to see it through to completion. How do we know this? Uh, in Ecclesiastes 3, this is 9 to 11, and then we'll, we'll have verse 14 as well. It says, what gain, so this is Solomon. So just so you know, Solomon is probably the wisest man in the world. Um, what gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. If it looks ugly now, God's about to make it beautiful. That's all I... Also, He has put eternity in man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken away. God has done it so that people fear before him. Something that I think is amazing about that is that so often, and I don't know if this is just me, 
when we feel like things aren't going our way, when we feel like maybe we've taken a wrong turn in life or when we feel like we're not really sure where God's heading with this, we can quite often think, oh, maybe God's taking his hand off this. Maybe it's time to stop. Maybe it's time to just go back to what I remember doing originally or maybe, you know, maybe it's time to just go back into old habits. But can I encourage you that God will see it to completion. He's put an eternal purpose in your heart and in your life so that He can work through you eternally. Is this good? Is this all right? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'll check in on you. If you're too quiet, I'll make sure you guys haven't fallen asleep. Woo! <laughs> Whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added or taken away. This means God isn't finished with you yet. Can I encourage you, single mothers in the place, God is not finished with you yet. There's something great for you. For single fathers in the place, God hasn't finished with you yet. For those who maybe don't have family here, just like Jackie and I, well, we do, our, my uh, in-laws are here, but in terms of WA, we don't have family that live here. Can I encourage you that it's not finished? God isn't finished with you yet. Maybe you have retired. Can I encourage you? God hasn't finished with you yet. God does stuff in stages, not in ages. Your season is not done. If you have breath in your lungs, you still have more for God to do in your life. Can I encourage you? The most incredible prayers that I know are people that have a lot, more, a lot of time on their hands. Why? Because they've seen what happens when you pray and they've seen how beautiful life can be when you pray. Can I encourage you, if you're at that stage, God isn't done with you yet. Point number two is this. We are going to face hardships. The fact of the matter is, God didn't go, oh, the Bible doesn't say, oh, now all of a sudden you're saved, you are going to uh, live long and prosper and nothing's ever going to bother you. There's not going to be anybody at work that pushes your buttons. There's not going to be any bill that you cannot fix or cannot pay for. There's not going to be, your car's not going to break down at the most inconvenient moment. You're never going to face a hardship again now that you have Christ in your heart. Can I encourage you? It doesn't say that. The fact of the matter is, uh, I was going to, yeah, I'll say it because there's probably no one here named that. Um, Dorothy at work is going to push your buttons. The point of the matter is that Phil at work is going to push your buttons. They're what we call grace growers, right? The fact of the matter is that there's going to be times where you're a little shortchanged. There's going to be times where people come and say, no, I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you stand for. You're wrong. There's going to be times where people go, no, sorry, you're not qualified enough. We don't want you here. You're not welcome here. No, sorry, I don't value you enough to give you what you're worth. There's going to be times when people say that or the time that we feel that, but can I encourage you? That's all a part of the plan. God says that we should expect that. Philippians 1, this is 12 to 14, says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Why is this important? It's because our outlook quite often will determine our effectiveness. If we look at this, if we look at our circumstances and our situations and go, oh, God hates me. Oh, he's taking his hand off my life. Oh, I'm so sad. Like, how can I do anything? Like, I'm too young. I'm too old. Then yeah, you're right. Your effectiveness is going to be stopped. You, you, you're not going to be as effective in the situations and the circumstances or the seasons God has pulled you into. We see it time and time again in the Old Testament. Our God's chosen people, their enemies would rise up and overthrow them. Why? Not because God doesn't love them, but because there's something greater when you get through that battle. There's something greater waiting for you when you overcome what God has put you in. Philippians 1, this is 18 to 22, it says this, What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. We need to learn how to rejoice in our circumstances, regardless of what we feel has chained us down, or regardless of what we feel has us shackled or has us beaten. We need to learn how to rejoice in that. For I know that through prayer and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with the full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. I love this bit here. It says, for to me uh, for to, me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What's Paul talking about here is, has he got a death wish? No, but what he's saying is his, his outlook on life, his outlook from joy has not changed. If he lives, God is gonna give him the opportunity to advance his kingdom. God's gonna give him the opportunity to see his plans and purpose outwork through Paul. But if he dies, then the kingdom of God is still going to be outworked because people are going to see that he was wrongfully imprisoned. They're going to be so bold, but to see how, how Paul lived his life. But more importantly, he gets to go and see his creator. He gets to go and see his saviour. Paul's outlook is joy. Our perspective will affect our trajectory. I'm going to say that again. Our perspective will affect our trajectory. One thing, uh, don't judge us, but one thing that Jackie and I kind of find interesting is whenever you're on like a, like a long dirt road out in the middle of the bush where there's no lights and it's like you're driving in the dark and then all of a sudden you go, lights off, lights on, and it goes pitch black. Oh my goodness, scary, but it's so incredible to see what happens. When your lights come off, you can't see a thing. 
If we kept them off, we'd probably end up in a big sheep paddock or in a ditch somewhere. Why? Because your, uh, because your outlook or your perspective affects your trajectory. It's what helps to keep you on the path God sets you on. Paul didn't cry about his situation. He rejoiced and he found the opportunity in every moment. Number three is this, just as I get uh, Luke to jump up for me and Megan, that would be amazing. But number three is this, we need to live our lives surrendered and unified. We need to live our lives surrendered and unified. You see, Philippians 1.27 says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in, okay, everybody say one spirit. One spirit. Come on, everybody say one spirit. One spirit. With one mind. Everybody say one mind. I love it. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What is, what is Paul talking about here? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the body of Christ. He's talking to people like you and me that we need to stand in one mind, in one spirit, heading towards one goal, to one vision, side by side, to advance the gospel. We need to live our lives in a way that doesn't look at the negative aspects of life every time something jumps out at us. No, it's that we live and walk with joy. In chapter two, I haven't got it up there because I wasn't gonna say it, but I feel, I feel like the Spirit's leading us down there. In chapter two, there's an incredible poem that Paul talks about that I feel the book of Philippians is centered around. It talks about Jesus laying down what would be His kingship, His lordship, His God status to become a servant of man. He uses Jesus's life as an example of how we should live our lives. And Paul, time and time again, no matter what book you read, he talks about being a humble servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the example that Jesus gave for us to live. that we ought to do the same. You see, the body of Christ won't advance unless it's united. Unless it's united to advance together. My right leg can't go that way if my left leg wants to go this way. I can't stretch that far, it doesn't work. It doesn't look good for anybody. The body of Christ won't advance unless we unite together and walk together. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12 says this, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Who are the saints? If we look at, if we look at verse 1, Paul addresses the church as the saints. 
Paul calls us the saints. God has given us the tools, His Word, to be able to equip us to build the body of Christ. You have everything you need in your hands when we unite together. We head in the same direction. And can I encourage you, God might not have given you a microphone. God might not have you stand up on a stage or talk in front of of tens of thousands or maybe even 50 people. That might not be your calling. You might not be called to be a preacher. Can I encourage you? That's fine. If your calling is a bricklayer, then be a bricklayer, but be the best bricklayer that you can be. If God's called you to be a chippy, then be a chippy. That's fine. Be the best chippy that you can be. If God's called you to be a painter, be a painter. But whatever God has called you to, do it to the best of your ability in unity with God and watch what He'll do through you. Do it to advance His kingdom and watch what He'll do through you. You see, because the reality is this is not a house for the holy. This is not just a museum where we, we stand statues up of all the holy people that have been through here before. No, this is a hospital for the hopeless. This is a house for the broken. This is a place where despite your, uh, despite your past, despite your sharp edges from being broken in the past and trying to stick things back together, uh, they don't quite fit. No matter what your circumstance, your situation or your past, this is a place and this is a house where we get to see the broken come and live in the purpose that God has placed in your life. What purpose? An eternal purpose that God placed in your life like we read, like we just read. It's an eternal purpose that God wants to see to completion. Can I encourage you? You're not always going to have this. You're not always going to have the lights or the screen. You're not going to have the congregation around you all the time. But when we unite here, it doesn't matter how far we go, it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter what our situation looks like, we have that eternal purpose in our life to build God's house, to build His body. We just need to learn how to access that for ourselves. So right now, just for a moment, can I ask you all to stand?